God, we pray that you would rain blessings upon um, us uh, tonight from your word. Um, as we look at um, the advent of Christ, the, we look at the Messiah coming, we look at the Savior um, and the precious way that not only did he come, but the spotless way that he lived and the horrible way he died, yet part of your plan for us, for salvation. And I thank you, Father, that we can look into your word and find the truth, find the hope that we need so desperately. So, Father, I pray tonight as Justin wraps up uh, this Advent season, you'd give us a special blessing from your word. I pray that your spirit would work through us tonight, work through us through this new year that we're entering into. And I just pray your blessing upon us as a church. And I pray for your help as us as individuals. And I pray that uh, you would bless us tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Happy New Year. Did we have a good time last night? Did we have a safe time? Everybody, are you still recovering from the time you had? I don't know. Everybody all right out there? Are you okay? Relatively coherent? Some coffee? Some water? Good calls? Everybody's all right? All right. Well, tonight we are going to wrap up our... our uh, our Advent season, as Elder John said, uh, we are going to finish. We're going to start with finishing our book that we've been in for the past, well, except for last week, for the past four weeks. We're doing the Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. It's what we did for Advent season. So we're actually, we've done the first two, right? We did the Garden, we did the Curtain, and then we had a Christmas Eve service, which I, I actually really enjoyed. So for everybody that was there, I, I appreciated all your input and your attendance and the worship together. So that was pretty cool. And then tonight we're going to finish with the cross. Does that sound right? Kylie Mason, good? Yep. Are you taking notes? Kylie's taking notes, by the way. So if you guys miss part of the service, if you're not off or anything, you can see Kylie. She'll have that taken care of for you. Uh, so we're going to start on the last page that we left off of before, guys, when we finished the curtain. So you can have remember a little context. Now, we, we started with the garden. In which God and Adam and Eve had their presence, had the presence of God together. They were they they dwelt in community, and and they lived without sin. But then sin came in, and God had to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden. Just in case, just recapping here, and kick them out of the garden. He set an angel. Do you remember what kind of angel it was? Good. A warrior angel, a guardian angel. What kind of what was it called? Anybody remember the name? Cherubim. Very good, Tim. It was a cherubim. Um, and then later when God, God built his, his place of worship with his people and he dwelt with his people, there was a big curtain that was in the way separating the presence of God from his people. And on that curtain was also a, go ahead, a warrior angel, a cherubim. And that curtain again symbolizing that it was great to dwell with God, but that there was something separating God and man at the presence of God's people and himself there was something in the way. So we'll pick it up right there as we read to finish out the cross part of the book. The, the page with the curtain on it says, Hundreds of summers and winters passed by, and the keep-out curtain stayed in the temple. But then, one day, God's Son came to live in his world as a person. He was called Jesus. Jesus always did what God said. Jesus never sinned. And Jesus visited the temple where the keep out curtain hung. Jesus knew that things were sometimes bad and sometimes sad. 
Jesus said that God had sent him to open the way back to God's wonderful place where there would be where there would be nothing bad and no sad. But turning pages of the microphone isn't easy to look. But people still didn't want to let God be in charge. So they decided to put Jesus on a cross to die. It was the most bad thing that had ever happened. It was the most sad day of all time. But Jesus had a plan. He had always planned to die on the cross. What a strange plan. Why should God's son plan to die? On the cross, Jesus took our sins, all the bad things we do, and all the sad things they cause. Jesus took them all from us. And when he did, something amazing, astonishing, astounding happened. The curtain tore. God had ripped up the keep out sign, and God's wonderful place is open again. Because Jesus died, we can go in. After Jesus died, his friends put him in a tomb, and they were very sad. For two days, nothing happened. And then the next morning after, Jesus' friends went to see his body in the tomb, and it wasn't there. A little later on, Jesus' friends were all together, and suddenly, Jesus was there, alive. Suddenly, his friends weren't sad. Now they were so, so happy. God had brought Jesus back to life so that he could live in God's wonderful place forever. And Jesus had sent everyone an invitation to come and live with him there too. He tells us, God says it is wonderful to live with him. Because of your sin, you can't come in. But I died on the cross to take your sin so all of my friends can now come in. We can live with God forever. There will be nothing bad There will be nothing bad and no one sad. We will see God and speak to God and just enjoy being with God, just as he had planned. It will be wonderful to live with him, and it's all because of Jesus. Do you kids notice something? What did we, where did we start in the beginning of the story? Do you remember what the pictures were? What place was it? It was the garden. What's that look like? The garden again? That's cool. We will say every day, thank you, Jesus, you're amazing. And you can start saying that today. And that is what the cross brings us back to. We go from the garden with God, with God's presence, without sin and nothing bad, and nothing sad in the way. And then we sin and there something comes in between us and the curtain is up. But when Jesus dies, the curtain is torn and we can be with Jesus again. And that's awesome. And now you guys have a craft. So if you want to go to Kids Class, Abby and Kylie and Mason, you can go to Kids Class now. And Jameson and Logan are already there. They've already gotten all the toys ready for you to play with. Anybody else need to go to Kids Class? You can leave right on top of the garden or curtain across. Abby, go, go with, go with. There you go. Awesome. High stepping out of here. <laughs> 
It's a really great book, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but if you can find a way to read that to a niece, a nephew, a child that you have or you know, in the future will plan to have, it's a great book to have the gospel. Just like super clearly, easy, accessible for kids. We're going to start in the same place that this story began. We're going to start, see, now, last week we actually covered the, uh, the beginning part where Jesus was born. We read the Christmas story on the Christmas Eve service. So we're going to jump to that very second scene, which would have been on the cross. So if you have your Bibles tonight, you can turn uh, to Matthew. I'm actually not going to read. I, I don't normally stray too far from the ESV. I have the ESV. It's what we teach out of and read out of. On the screen will be the NLT, the New Living Translation. Our first point tonight is very simple. The title is Torn, and our first point uh, is just going to, we're just going to walk through the cross. I want you to give, I want to get you uh, with a clear picture of the cross scene. And this is the very end of the cross scene on the cross with Jesus. So our first point is the end of the cross. And by now you should be at Matthew 27. You can read along in the ESV. I'm going to pause and stop. I'm going to stop and talk through it. Cause I want you to, maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you didn't hear it clearly explained. Maybe you've read it but not grabbed a hold of the context of this very end of Jesus' time on the cross. So it starts off, so if you can put up the Matthew 27 passage, we'll just read it. We're going to read it slow. I'll explain it. Very concise sermon tonight. I really just want us to focus in on the fact that the curtain is torn and what the cross really means for us. Starting at verse 45 in the NLT, it says this, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. So first thing, uh, noon to 3 on a typical day, is that a dark time of day or a light time of day? Typical. All right. So typically, noon to three is light. Now, obviously, excluding storms, okay, intermittent rain, stuff like that. This was a dark time of day that was usually very, very, particularly in the Middle East, very bright. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means... My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. So one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed, on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. Stop here. What happened was Jesus cries out in this moment, this moment of darkness in midday, which is incredibly unusual. Literally what's happening here on this, at this end time of the cross where Jesus is going to actually be giving his life for the sins of the world is all of creation. If you, have you read in Romans where Paul says that all creation groans under the strains of the curse? Have you read that? That the, the, the whole creation literally sits in subjection under the, under the curse, under the fall under the, really, the veil of the curtain, separated from that, that truly uninhibited presence of God. And that's what the curtain, the, the, the actual creation itself sits under. And at this particular moment, Jesus, who we have revealed through several places in Scripture, who is the, the sustaining force of creation, right, is on the cross, bearing the weight of guilt and sin on himself. And it is no wonder that creation is reflecting the creator in this moment that that the sky which is usually incredibly bright so bright that they would have taken they would have taken solace during this time of day would have get it would have been begun to get too hot to work 
to be outside. There would have been, it would have been unbearable. This this time of day is now dark. Dark, dark like needing torches. Dark, like it's gotten really dark. And and God and Jesus in this moment cries out to God. What he says is, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now. What's happening in the context that you that you've you've read is that it seems like some people heard heard him say Eli, and they thought he was calling for Elijah. It's what it actually says. They 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 thought they misunderstood what he was actually saying in in our language. Eli, or or how it would have would have been spelled, actually does sound different than Elijah, obviously. But in the Hebrew, it would have sounded similar. They misunderstood what Jesus was crying out to his father. And thought that maybe his throat is a little dry, a little scratchy, dehydrated as he's dying. They want to give him the opportunity to speak his last words. They want to understand what he's saying. But they miss that he was crying out to his God. And even in that moment, those who had ridiculed Jesus crying for him to be crucified are still throwing jabs at him. Right? Let's just see. You know what? Just let's just see. Let's maybe Elijah will come and get him. This king of the Jews. But in that moment, there's also an interesting perspective because the judicial, the judicial, the judicial part of God, right? The one viewing the justness and righteousness against the sin of man sees on his son, right? Has taken on himself, right? the sin and guilt and shame of the world that for for this moment this this brief separation in the righteousness and the justice of God in the trinity God and the trinity cannot completely be separated but there is a unique role that this pivotal point in history plays and that it would be misunderstood by those that were there present to hear is, is just really sad because here is the son of God paying for the guilt and shame of sin crying out to his father because in the judicial the judicial structure the justness of God that God is just and sin must be paid for he himself has paid for it and in the only unbroken community that has ever existed, the only perfect community that has always been, the only, the only community that has not struggled through the relationship issues that we all face here as men and women, there was a moment where the righteousness of God was satisfied by the holy God receiving unrighteousness and sin. By receiving on himself the guilt that it had and the shame that it had and paying for it because he could in his unrighteousness. And though he cries out to his father in the, min- in the moment, right, in the moment of the justness of God being satisfied on the cross, still people stood there and mocked. But it's not where the story ends. It's not where it ends at all. At that moment, 
This is our chapter. This is this is this is the the central theme of the book that we've been reading for the kids. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And and just like it got black, the earth shook and rocks split apart. That in this moment, creation is still churning. And if you were to read further, we'll, we'll jump in Romans 5 later. So if you were to read further, what you would understand is that the, that graves are opened and all of creation that is up sustained and held by Christ, right? Is literally there's, there's things happening that are supernatural that are just incredibly unique because at this moment, the creation too is feeling the strain of the weight of guilt and shame on its sustainer. It's, it's not, it's not unusual at all. It's not, un, it's not even unrealistic to think if you miss the context it is. But if you realize that that is, that is the sustainer God on the cross bearing the weight of guilt and shame, I don't think an earthquake is out of the ordinary. And when you read Matthew and you will try to understand context there, graves were opened. And when Jesus resurrected, the timeline would have, would have fit that there would have also been, it actually says that righteous and holy men were resu- had resurrected as well and went back into the city of Jerusalem. It's crazy. So what happens in this moment, which, which you find in Mark and Luke as well, that the, the curtain is torn. But why is this so important? What is this thing so important that it would be torn right away? It's almost like it's really it's, it's one of the most phenomenal things about these last moments of Jesus on the cross. That as Jesus, right? gives up his spirit as the scripture says as he actually releases his spirit that's him choosing right to pay for the sins of the world that he gives his life up in a sacrifice not that it is taken from him immediately what is satisfied is the issue of separation that we are separated and cannot access the presence of god but in that moment when jesus dies as it's recorded in three gospels, the temple is the temple curtain is written from top to bottom. Now, here's the thing: if you're, we don't, we, we don't, we don't get it. All right, uh, has anybody seen um, a an Jewish ceremony for this the payment of sins through blood atonement? Anybody seen that? No, no one really has. It hasn't been done. For a long time. Since the temple was destroyed, really. It hasn't been done. But if you lived then, you would have been in the middle of it. Do you know how many, just tens of thousands of gallons of blood was spilled in the temple to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel? Just immense amounts of blood spilled because that was what sin cost. And that really in its picture was the thing separating, right? The sin was separating them to be able to enter even into the presence of God. And only on the holiest of days could the highest of priests who had atoned for his sin through the sacrifice, right? Through blood atonement could enter into the presence of God to carry out sacrifice there before the holy God in his presence, But in this moment, the blood of one man 
who is God, is enough to not only enter, not only can men enter into that room, can they go beyond the curtain, but the curtain is no longer necessary. And like, I, th- I really liked the picture in the book. The picture in the book was cool. It was, it was, I don't know if you saw the face or the, the animated picture of the priests, like, in fear and terror as they were running from the ripped curtain. I don't know, did you see that? Anybody see it? I don't know if you paid attention. It's okay. It's in the book. And I like that like the, their faces are full of fear. Really, this thing that had been set up as a religious structure was now over in the atonement of Christ. And I like to think, I don't know, this is extra biblical. It's not gospel. I like to think that it was almost like God in that moment, right? Not the, not, the, not the physically resurrected body of Christ. That's going to go on the ground. He's not physically resurrected yet, but his spirit is not. We all agree his spirit is, is eternal. It doesn't die on the cross. That his soul and spirit live on, right? We all agree on that. It, it's, that part doesn't die. It's not part of the physical body that dies. That in that moment, there's like a really fun tug of war that takes place in the Trinity. That they get to rip the curtain, the curtain that has separated the presence of God and the people of God. In essence, since the garden. Since they first were able to freely spend that time with Adam and Eve in the garden. To this point, the curtain has been in place. They rip it in half. It's gone. It's over with. That's the beauty of what the cross provides for us anybody in here um all right so it's the end of the year right brand new year this is the first day since 1201 anybody in here fail god anybody anybody in here not hold to his righteous standard not give him glory and honor completely right anybody no absolutely all right since 1201 we've all failed (laughs) we've all failed already it was a brand new year. You had a chance to start over again, and we have missed the mark already. But the cross has already happened. And so for us in that moment, the curtain does not go back up. Because Christ's sacrifice was just as real and just as clear then as it is for us today. So hopefully to drive that point home, um, we're going to flip. Um, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, so you can follow along there. You can turn your Bibles. We'll be in Romans chapter 5. And this is the access for us that we receive. So Romans chapter 5. For those of you who love Romans, you get a little like Romans, Romans breadth here. Um, beautiful piece of theology that we're going to read here in Romans 5, 1 through 6. says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's that access, that's the picture, that's the, that's the temple curtain no longer being in place for us. That through Christ we now have access to the presence of the holy God. That that grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, which is, I admit, sounds a little masochistic. But you have to understand it. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It is in that moment that we have read tonight, in that moment, when Christ's blood is shed, when he gives up and sacrifices himself for us, that the temple curtain is ripped that moment happened for you and for me. We weren't there. We didn't get to see it. We weren't present at the crucifixion. We weren't present at the resurrection. We did not see in the temple the, the curtain get torn. But every day we experience what should separate us from a holy God. Every day you and I share in the weight of unrighteousness that held Christ to the cross. And the beauty of Romans is that it's, it's this timely message. It's at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. He's not just saying that it was for that moment when Christ died for the ungodly, but rather that Christ died at that moment that you needed him to die. That the sin that you commit is the sin that Christ died for, and it was the perfect time for you and for me that that curtain would be ripped. So the best, I can't think of a better way to start a new year than to understand for, for each of us that the cross, the, the shedding of Christ's blood, the payment for our unrighteousness, our unholiness to a holy God, that's where, that's where our, our, our year should begin. That our years should begin in view, in light of a torn curtain and a relationship that you have with God. That because of Christ's death, the access you and I have that we share today on January 1st in 2017. Is that right? Okay. Because I'm going to get the year wrong when I write it for the next like three months. Anyway. In 2017, on this day, we get to begin it remembering a cross that held our Savior, that he willfully stayed and gave up his life to tear the curtain so that on this day, over 2,000 years later, we can pray to God. We can sin and not be kicked out of the temple. We can still talk to the Father God that loves us that loves us despite our sin. In fact, despite our sin, sent his son. And despite our sin, his, our son, his son died. That Jesus not only died, but that he rose. That is where we need to begin. And so if you're going to make a resolution, anybody make a resolution? We don't do that, right? We're all old enough now to realize that it's stupid to make resolutions. In the end, you ultimately just fail at them. So save yourself the time, more or less. If you were to make a resolution, though, I would submit that this is the resolution you should make. That... In 2017, you might remember the cross more. Then in 2017, you might remember the cross to remember the curtain. And I love the way the story ends. The story ends back in the garden. Gardens are, in our, much ado has been made about the city. I don't know if you've realized that. The city in our culture is a big deal. For the city actually makes up a lot of what culture is. The city churns out new ideas and new ways of thinking and new 
concepts and new philosophy. And that the centers of those happen to be in the city construct. And so much ado has been made inside of the church about the church in the city. But God seems to center his joy constantly around a garden. That in the center, in the center of the city of New Jerusalem, that we will, we will get to be a part of and seeing God's presence will ultimately be a garden. In that garden will be the tree that God transplanted. He's, he's an amazing gardener that, that he transplanted from the Garden of Eden right into his home in heaven, the tree of life. Like that will be there. And it's just so cool that he would invite us in. That's how you get to hope. We had some great discussion this past Wednesday night at our community group. I really enjoyed it. Um, we talked about the family of God, the family of new birth versus the family of birth. Not like they were fighting, not like a cage match. We just talked about the concept that God, that Jesus had spoken on. And one of the, these key principles that I think applies to this particular idea of the cross and the curtain, staying connected to the cross helps you remember the cost that it is that, that gets that curtain torn. And see, when you remember that the curtain is torn and that Christ paid that for you, when you go through life, you will not go through it blindfolded. Anybody found it very easy to wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep, and wake up and go to work, and then come home, and go to sleep and wait. Anybody found it relatively easy to get caught into that exact trap, that exact thing, that mundane monotony of life that is doing life? I mean, that's the th- that, I don't know if you realize that that will kill you. Not just physically. Like, yes, it will kill us all. <laughs> if, you don't get, if you don't get some sort of horrible disease, if you don't get hit by a car, if you don't, that in itself will kill you. You will die. But it will kill you spiritually it will broke you emotionally if you don't stay connected to the cross and the torn curtain we just happened to talk about the fact that the family of god is one of the ways he connects us back to that the holy spirit through his word through his prayer through his family helps this world actually be joyful That's why Paul can say in Romans 5 that when you suffer, it's actually not bad. No, it's pretty bad. It is. It is bad. Suffering on the near side of it, on the close side, is bad. Suffering on the far side produces endurance and character and gets us to hope. It gets us to hope. So 2017, might it be for you and I, not the year of the cross, that sounds weird and Zodiac-like, rather might it be the year we begin to daily remember the cross? Might it be a time where we can start to remember the cross? Because the cross reminds us of a torn curtain that for you and I means we have access to God. And that makes waking up and going to work and coming home and going to sleep to wake up and go to work again, totally different. Because when you wake up, 
to the glory of God. And you wake up able to talk to God. You wake up able to talk to his people, open his word and read it. To have access to the Holy Spirit. And so when you wake up to go to work, you realize it's not a place where you just do a job. Rather, it's a place filled with souls, right? That Wawa is not just for coffee. It's a place filled with souls. That the gas station attendant is not just a slave to pump your gas. He's a person with a soul. That all these things are connected back to the fact that when you remember the cross and the torn curtain and what it is for you, freedom, relationship, salvation, grace, hope, this life that is monotonous and, and so many people trudge through does not have to be trudgery for those in Christ. So it's the cross and the new year. Maybe we can remember it a little better, this one. Amen? And that's all I have for tonight. So I wanted to spend some just time and respond. I didn't know if I'd do it like auditorily like we did last week. We were, it was actually even less people last week. Once the holidays wrap up, I know everything, life will get back to normal. We just shared. Can we share tonight? It's really early. Yeah, is that okay? Are you guys all too afraid? What I thought, what we did last week is we, we had this time just to share. What does it mean that Jesus came? That Jesus came for you in your life? What does the cross mean for you? You don't need to stand up. You don't need the microphone. In fact, the only person that can actually see you will be me. I'll, I'll, I'll stay standing. But what does the cross mean for you? What did it change for you? How did it affect your life? What impacts did it have? Did it have an impact on you or a relationship you had on your view of something? What does the cross mean for you? Maybe the cross is one thing. Maybe the torn curtain has something that's really been meaningful for you. Does anybody have anything they'd like to share? Forgiveness. Absolutely. You can speak now if you had something. Salvation. Absolutely. It's like he even talks about it, like endurance in Romans 5. That's part of this, this connection to the cross. That's really good. Oh my gosh, chuckles, stop it. Hope. Totally. Just like Rogue One, hope, hope. It's okay. The cross gives us hope. Where is hope now?
without a torn curtain, without salvation on the cross, without an empty grave, where is their hope? Lasting, true hope. So we're going to respond now. Thanks for sharing, guys. Do you want to take a minute and just thank God for the cross tonight? Thank him that 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 curtain does not stand in our way. Even if the temple stood today the way it did before, even if they re-sewn a brand new curtain, it doesn't matter. The temple curtain is torn for us. So maybe take a minute and pray and thank God for a torn curtain, a cross of salvation, an empty tomb. Let's not forget it this year.